Mist Rainwater. Hey there, John. Did I say something to upset you? <laughs> Why do you ask? <laughs> well, you submitted uh, tonight's topic, and after agreeing to it, my first immediate thought was, oh shit, did I say something subconsciously <laughs> to make him go, wow, Jow's being a dick? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, well, what the moment that I had sent that um, message to you, I was like on Webtoon. And so what I was doing was I was looking over um, a fellow peers Webtoon that they publish. So uh, this guy named Dan Scotty and he or Scotty. I think it's Scotty. Anyway, um, Dan Scotty makes a Webtoon called Lavender Jack. And he is one of the few other um, like American white guys who are making a Webtoon comic on Webtoon. So I was curious to see, you know, how is he doing? What is his, um, like, how is he doing his whole Webtoon thing, right? And more interestingly, he does, like, season Q&A wrap-ups. And I do season uh, question-answer ra- uh, wrap-ups at the end of my seasons for Trailer Park Warlock. And so I was just like, oh, how- I wonder how he does his. Well, hmm. I felt like he does his better. And... Furthermore, after looking through his webtoon, I'm like, oh, man, this guy, I feel like, has a better understanding of visual storytelling on the platform. Um, Granted, he's also working with a bigger team than I'm working with. He has, like, a colorist that he works with um, and another person who assists him um, on that comic. So I'm sure all those things help. But nevertheless, like, I look at it and I go, oh, you know, this seems like it's better. And so you were, um, I think the word you used to describe that was jealousy. I don't know if it's jealousy because uh, for me, I don't know if it's jealousy so much as it's like, how do I, how do I even, how do I even compete? You know what I mean? It's a feeling of, oh, I'm, I'm not even really in the same league as like, and that Dan Scott is like tip of the iceberg of like other really talented artists on Webtoon, you know, um, person does Laura Olympus. Um, there's, uh, another one called muted. There's a million goddamn comics on that thing. Uh, and they're all very talented creators. They tell good stories and they're all also very good artists in the sense that like, I see that the way that they draw and it looks confident and it looks competent and, um, you know, I could be totally misreading it from looking at the art, but it doesn't seem like they have the same sort of second guessing that I go through making trailer park warlock as I'm drawing. And so this is one of those things where I think a lot of artists come across this at some point. And this is why I brought this top. I wanted to bring this topic up. Uh, unconfidence, right, or um, feeling of uh, in a like insufficiency, inadequacy, mm. right? That is a big thing that I think a lot of artists go through. Myself as well, all the time. You know, even though like like currently, like I'm approaching a hundred thousand subscribers, which I'm super pumped about. But nevertheless, I look at that and I'm still like, well, you know. It's only a hundred thousand. There are people who have like a million. There are people who have, you know, five hundred thousand. Sure. Um, that never, you know, I'm afraid to say that that probably never stops for anybody, right? Because you're like, well, I could do better. <laughs> and on a certain level, as an artist, that is probably, if dealt with moderately, a healthy mindset because it means you keep improving, right? It means sure. you keep shooting for higher goals. So anyway, um, I'm curious as to like for you, Jow, are you, do you experience that? Is that something that you go through at times? Yes and no, not in the same form that you just described. So okay. when I see something that's significantly more successful to, than whatever it is that I'm doing, yeah. chances are I hate it. 
And not necessarily be because it's successful, but because I will look at it and it'll either A, be similar to something that I'm already doing, or B, be similar to something that someone else is doing, or everyone else is doing, for that matter. And when I look at it, I'm just like, well, that's just fucking the same goddamn thing. Why is that? Like, and that is what works, right? Um, most of the time it's the same shit over and over. People don't like new stuff, really. They just want the same thing that they've always gotten. And at some point to me, for me, I had to kind of let that go. And I was just like, eh, that's not what I want to do. And once I was able to let go of that, I was able to accept that, you know, I'm going to get what I get. And it really is, it's a hard pill to swallow because for the longest time I, I heard other people say things like this. And I did not, I did not listen to that. Well, I heard them, but I just, I shrugged it off and was like, ah, that's stupid. Fuck off, whatever. But I look at the, the listener count and the YouTube views for this show Mm -hmm. and they're in the single digits. Sometimes when we have a good episode, it'll go to, you know, a hundred plus something or whatever. Um, It'll, you know, it, it fluctuates, but the way I've looked at it is two ways. One I'm glad that it's more than two because I know that me and sure. you are checking the checking the feed. <laughs> so if I see a number three or higher, that means that someone someone is actively coming back and checking it. And you know what? I've come to the point where I am just grateful that there is one person that continuously returns at least very one. So the fact that you're nearing 100,000 subscribers to me makes me want to reach through the Internet and smack you. Because right. <laughs> it's like, you bitch, like, I would kill to have those kinds of numbers for this podcast or for my Twitter following for, you know, you know, that people being in demand for my work or this or that. And then it's like you said, not so much about the improving, right? Or, or uh, you know, well, I guess, yeah, it is the improving. It's the idea that I'll look at something and go, okay, well, why is this working? And that's one of the th- things that I always yeah. do. I always try not to make it personal. I don't think, oh, that guy is better than me. I look at it like, oh, he or she knows how to do something I don't know how to do. How do I do that? And then I start figuring out how to do it my way. Does that make sense? So, like, yeah, for the longest time, I have been struggling because I've been wanting to shoot Haunted on film. I was very bougie. And I was like, oh, gotta be, I got to be film. I got to be real. I got to be blah, 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 blah. And for the longest time, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this because filming with film is really expensive. It's a complicated process that's somewhat I've forgotten since college. Like I learned how to do it in college. I could probably give you a bare bones tutorial right now if I had to. But if I got a camera in front of me, I would I would need a couple of hours to figure out what it was that I was doing again. And even then, I wouldn't be entirely sure of myself. Point being. I knew that there was a look that I wanted Haunted to have, but I didn't know how to get there. And talking to a cinematographer, just like random willy-nilly, I knew I wasn't going to get the answers I was looking for because each cinematographer has their own style, and they're going to tell me how to get the style I want through their means. So it was like, uh, I don't know if I want to get to New York City by, you know, flying in a jetpack. I want to get to New York City by taking the subway. Like... It's one of those situations. So I was at a film festival and I saw a film uh, called Stalked. It's by uh, this uh, production company, Thinking Art Entertainment. And uh, this guy, Wesley Malott, I believe his name is. I follow him on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I hounded him because immediately when I saw his film, it was a momentary instant where I was like, that's the look I want. That's exactly what I want. That is exact. Like in my head, I have seen this look before. That's what I want. How do I get that? So immediately, and then I tell you this, after the um, the the film festival, it was nearly impossible to track this guy down. There was so little information about the film. He doesn't. He didn't have a presence for the film online because he's just making the rounds with the uh, the festivals and stuff. But he has all kinds of other content. Long story short, I was able to track him down finally, and then I hit him up and I was like, "What camera did you use? What lens did you use?" What lighting style did you use? Yada, yada, yada. And he he freely gave me that information. And immediately, first thing I did, I went on YouTube. I started looking at footage with that camera and that uh, lens to make sure that that was still what I wanted. It was. Then I went down the rabbit hole and I was like, okay, well, 
now I need to know more about this. And I look on a YouTube thing. Oh, here's how a, a stabilization. Here's everything you need to know about the camera. I watched a four-hour manual on the camera without even owning it going, okay, that's good to know. That's not good to know. That's not going to help me in this shot. This is da-da-da-da-da. For the last several months, I've been studying this camera. I have it now. I've got every spare part that you have to do to build out the camera because that's how cameras work these days. You don't just buy a camera and it's done anymore. You buy you buy the camera brain and then you buy little things to add it on and add it on and tweak oh, wow. and customize. Yeah, and it gets expensive. No it gets very expensive. Um, which is so I've had to do it piece by piece, but it's nice because I've been learning the camera as I go. The long story of the short, too long, didn't read. I've got it. Like I can get that look now. And that's yeah. my entire thing. So that's all checked out. So then I'm like, okay, I need to have good sound. What kind of sound? It, you know what I mean? So it's been that thing where I don't use, I don't say so much call it jealousy as much as I do inspiration now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could call it spiteful in, in a sense, because sometimes I'll look at the way things are being executed or for what story content. And I'll be like, ah, that's shit. I don't like that. But, <laughs> but the look of the camera, the way the camera moves, yeah. the way the sound gets captured, the way the visual effects edit, whatever it may be, I'll know that's what I need. And then as an artist, I take that into my tools and I know that I'm going to execute it the way I want it to. And then above that, not to get too long winded. But we've talked about this before, but like there are artists like legendary artists who did not get their due in the time they were alive. Sure. And I've found a, a comfort in that because, you know, we all seek validation. Sure. But I've kind of stepped back from the chasing celebrity that I used to have where now I'm more I'm more focused on the let me leave this behind. Let me leave this piece of work behind, and if it was as good as it was, it'll get found, and yeah. it'll blow up. Right. If it wasn't, it ain't no sweat off my back because my problems are over. I'm dead. I'm gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's I've been able to find a peace with that, and that's really where I've come from. So I like all the things, the, the followers, the subscribers, the da-da-da-da-da, you know, whether or not it's a success, which I don't know if a success is an actual thing. Right. Like what is it? How would you define success? Because like you said before, we're frequently turning around going, well, it could have been better. It could have done this. It could have done that. And so at some point it's very Zen like of me, which is not like my character at all. But I stopped giving a shit and I was just like, I need to please me and what I'm after to the best ability I can, not to the point where I, I hit it, but to the best ability I can. I have to work within the constraints that I'm in, the limitations I have. Yeah the circumstances I'm dealt and just do it. Because if I spend so much time thinking about it or trying to problem solve, it'll never get done. And then we'll never know if, yeah. if it was worth it, if I was right, if I was wrong. And if I, I like, I've become one of those people that's like, if I was wrong, I learned something from it and I'll, you know, apply it to the next one. Sure. So, I mean, yeah. I, granted the way I'm going about haunted now is very similar to the way I went about digits. So I don't know if I learned anything from last <laughs> time, but uh, I do. I did learn a couple of things. So like, it'll be different this time around that I'm doing it. I'm a little bit more seasoned as to how I'm going to do it, but to stop talking and give you a chance to kind of <laughs> reflect on some thoughts. Um, yeah. Like, it is a natural impulse, right? To think. I, I, I see it happen so often, right? Like, I mean, people I know personally, right, mm-hmm. have gone through it. I've gone through it. Yeah. It's a fairly, I'd almost say it's natural. Like, if you give a shit about what you're doing, mm. you're going to, you're going to compare. You're going to yes. look at, okay, how am I doing versus this person? And especially you do it with peers, right? You do it with people who are near your age. Yes. And who are friends. Near, you're, yeah. And which is why level. I asked you when we started, I was like, did I say something? Cause and, and I'm going to be honest here. I'm in awe of a hundred thousand subscribers because that is a big fucking deal. And you should not be downplaying your significance against oh, no, it's, someone it's else. Like the biggest number <laughs> I've ever had attached to anything I've done. And it's, and it's weird because I think I definitely have a disconnect with it because it hasn't translated into 
financial success yet for me. Mm. So, and those are two very different things, right? Like mm-hmm. financial success versus reaching out to people. Those are two very different things and have one can kind of play into the other, but nevertheless, and also one can be an indicator of the other to come. But when you're in the middle of that, right, in that moment, so like, you know, let's say um, there are tons of filmmakers who they have like cult hits or whatever. And so sure. they have that first movie that just doesn't do that very well, doesn't do that well. Yeah. But then they find out later on. Oh, so like for example, very infamous example was uh, the the original series of Star Trek, right? Um, canceled after three seasons, pretty much like, you know, studios are like, eh, we're not going to touch that anymore. That didn't do well. And then years later, suddenly, like, fans who were watching it on rerun on TV were like, we want more. Like, we're obsessed <laughs> with this. How do we get more? Yeah. Then, like, movie execs started getting kind of getting hints of this and gene roddenberry never gave up because he was just kind of fanatical about his vision yeah uh you know brought it back into the movie series which the movie series really took off and that went from like the 70s into early 90s you know and then you know having the next generation so anyway um that's just one of many different examples of where you have something you may have something that just does not take off initially but it lands which is the most important part right it lands yes. in somebody's lap well and that's a point that i think that needs to be brought up which is the distribution factor mm-hmm. you can have a million dollars right in your house but if you don't have access to a cell phone how are you going to tell anybody you know what you know what i mean yeah. like it's the same if nobody gives you a telephone, you can't really tell anybody without going outside your house and you leave the million dollars behind. And then it's like, well, you got to show it to me. It's like, well, I can't bring it out of my house. You know, it's that weird kind of parallel that distribution is the weirdest thing because you could have the best thing possible that someone knows about, but you don't have the ability to promote it, to provide it, et cetera, or, you know what I mean? Like something, some kind of algorithm is written wrong. The uh, search engine optimization kind of jazz doesn't point people to you the the way that it should. Yeah. Um. Like I've long talked talked about. Um. So I told you. I think I told you about this last episode, or maybe not. I don't know. But I've told you about the social media app Letterbox. Letterbox. No, I don't. Th- no, you have. You have. I remember now. Okay. It's yeah, yeah. So it's a social media app where you rate movies and that's it you write a review you can rate it and you can add it to your i've watched list and then you can make like little lists about like movies you want to watch or movies that you think fit for you know a fourth of july theme or some you know you can do all that kind of stuff i have long said that they should build an algorithm that says well if you rate scream four stars out of five and you rate um I don't know, some other movie, Godzilla 1998, three stars, and you rate Back to the Future, one star, blah, 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 blah. They should have an algorithm that says, well, other people who have rated these films, like how you rated them, rated this film five stars. And you could be able to be like, oh, I've not seen that. I haven't seen that movie. I'll check that out. And they, as far as I know, they don't do it. Um, but that kind of thing where that distribution where it's like, oh, they don't want to promote things that aren't going to put th- money into their pocket, yeah. which is a robbery to you, which is one, one of the reasons why when we brought Joker on, I was so happy to you know kind of pick his brain about recommendations and this and that because the viral aspect of it is really what is important. So, you know, you look at things like Red Letter Media when they do best of the worst. Or even when they do like um, oh, sure. half in the bags about random shit that's streaming on Amazon, yeah. all of a sudden it jumps to the top of the streaming list that next week when it was just like some dud movie that came out like four years ago that no one ever even heard of, and then they watched it and they reviewed it and talked about how it's a train wreck, but it's a you know an enjoyable <laughs> train wreck. Right. And that's suddenly the film finds success. 
whether or not it's it's good or not is you know yeah. subjective but right. all of a sudden that that streaming number went to the top and then someone else just who doesn't watch red letter media says well what the hell is this streaming at number one i'll watch that and you know what i mean like it turns over and over and over so distribution is really the key as to whether or not something is successful and the problem with that is there are too many people that are gatekeeping the executives the studios whatever you want to sure. call it and I'm sure that applies to comic books as well. Like, I'm sure oh, yeah. Marvel yeah, yeah. and DC are just like, the fuck is Webtoon? Like, let's pay Google to push that down three or four things Although below us. That you know, like, who changing. knows? Yeah, hmm? that attitude's changing a certain amount because DC is now... Actually, both Marvel and DC have been doing projects with Webtoon because I think they're kind of reading the writing on the wall. Mm -hmm. um, that... By the way, that writing on the wall has been there for decades now because Absolutely. Print, print comics just hasn't been able to compete against the kind of outreach that you can get, uh, you know, digitally. Um, the Internet just it makes it too easy for, you know, more eyes to get on a property. Years ago, when Netflix first announced that they were going to do streaming, I said to many, many people, I said, you wait and see. This is the future of film distribution in every which way. Like yeah. DVDs and Blu-rays will go away. Cable TV is going to go away. And everybody thought I was crazy. And I swear to God, if I had money to invest, <laughs> I would have put it in Netflix in that very moment. Because at that point in time, nobody thought it was going to succeed. They were, oh, it doesn't, internet speeds don't go fast enough. And there's going to be throttling. And there's going to be, and I was like, I don't give a shit. The, the yeah. ease of access to get to movies has become so good. You don't have to get up to put the disc in and out. And people will take advantage of that to no end. And no one believed me. And I was just like, you just wait and see. It's going to happen. And now here we are. And, you know, the people that I told that to have forgotten that I said that. And they just think <laughs> I'm a big blowhard. And I'm just like, motherfucker, like, just listen to me for three seconds. But the, the, the bright side about that is, is now there's more distribution like that. The problem is the big conglomerates own all of it. Yeah. So if you wanted to get out before, it was easier for you to kind of get in while the door was open. But now that, you know, Netflix and like Vudu, which is like where or like Apple movies and stuff where you buy already yeah. existing things, you could have been able to put stuff on. Now things are going directly to Disney Plus only to Netflix. So you can't even buy it on Amazon. You can't even buy it on Vudu. Yeah. Like you just can only watch it on these subscription things. And now that's going to hurt other things going forward, like voodoo. Uh, you know what I mean? Like places that it's you buy not only things. Gonna hurt, I mean, I have to wonder at what point to, uh, I don't know this. It's a little off topic, but I feel like it's a topic that's been on my mind for a while. At what point do you actually exhaust your audience when you, you're create too many barriers to get to all the different like things they want to, Watch, because like I'm not, I'm only going to get so many different streaming services. Which yeah. right now I have zero. Like I use my sister's and my dad's streaming service. I don't, I don't have my own. I, my only subscription service is to YouTube because I just use YouTube so frequently for everything. Like the free version you're talking about, not like. No, I have like a, I have like a premium subscription on YouTube. Oh, you have like the YouTube Red or whatever it is. That's the only thing that I have a subscription to because I didn't want to mess with the ads. I just wanted to get, you know, I just wanted to get, uh, get and listen to whatever I'm going to work. Um, I'm going to listen to while I'm working. And so, um, anyway, point is, is like, it's hard for me to imagine if, if you're somebody who is on a budget, right? You're only going to pick maybe one, two, three, of those services you're mm -hmm. not gonna get all like i'm not getting fucking paramount plus just to like find out whether or not i like star trek picard because it's not that that the juice isn't worth the squeeze or like unless all i want to watch is star wars and marvel like i'm not really gonna get disney plus mm -hmm. um all those star movies too but anyway um the my the whole point i'm getting to is that previously it was easier to get a more rounded diet, basically, of film. And now it's becoming more and more difficult to get that rounded diet. So if you want it, you know, uh, if you want to watch within a given night, like a Star Wars film, and then 
Um, and then a Star Trek film, you can't do that unless you have two different services. And whereas previously, you could do it all on like Netflix. True. You might, you might still be able to, I don't think you can, but. Um, Depends on where the rights are at the moment. Exactly. So anyway, my point is, is like, I think, I think in terms of, of marketing at some point, and I, I don't know, like I say this also because I saw a meme about this recently where it was like, you know, there's the meme of the guy looking behind him and he's standing next to his girlfriend and there's like yeah. pretty woman in the front. Um, so like it was that meme twice. The first time it was uh, the girl in the front was Netflix and the girlfriend was uh, Pirate Bay. And then the second <laughs> one, it was reversed where it was like Pirate Bay in the front <laughs> and his girlfriend was like Netflix, Disney plus Paramount plus, it, you know, and that's my point is like, there's a point where the cost, like the cost benefit analysis, you go, why am I fucking yeah. buying all these subscriptions? I'll just pirate this shit. Cause I don't want to have to deal with this anymore. Well, first of all, I'm going to say don't pirate shit because <laughs> it's my <laughs> medium. My concern is not so much with those distribution platforms, mm -hmm. but the distribution of those distribution platforms. <laughs> I know I'm getting sure. a little, uh, I'm getting a little framework here, but it's only a matter of time before Disney buys Roku. And then yeah. you can't make your own and Jow films channel. You can't make the, the diamond Fox, whatever her fucking name is. Uh, you know, YouTube channel and this yeah. and that. And that's when we're in trouble sure. because that's when independent people uh, don't really have it. And this is one of the things when I was working on public access, this is what I loved about public access. You could literally so show anything on the air within, you know, relative reason. You couldn't, you know, uh, you had to follow the applicable laws of the United States, which I think, which I think is reasonable. Um, but whatever the content was, you could, you could do it. Yeah. And, there was no real censorship about it. And it wasn't about, uh, you know, pol like Republicans or Democrats or business. Like you could talk about literally anything. You could dunk on Disney as much as you wanted and they couldn't do anything about it. And that was it. But now they've changed the, the laws, at least here in Connecticut, where, uh, well, they haven't changed the law. And that's the problem is that the law was written about cable subscriptions but now since all cable is considered streaming, the cable companies say that public access no longer fits that de definition, even though the same fucking cords are carrying the, the data to your house. Um, so the funding for citizens or um, for public access is like dwindling. Mm. So they're crushing that. And it's like, well, I could just go to YouTube, but... <laughs> Right, YouTube right. is owned by Google and Google, you know, like it's, it's only a matter of time before they get bought out by somebody or they just don't want your shit on there yeah. or they want a piece of your pie. Now, to some extent, I agree that they should have it because it's their servers. They're offering that wide distribution realm. You know what I mean? Like they, they obviously are contributing somewhat, but you run the risk of not being allowed to. And that gatekeeper formula reemerges the same one that's been here now where it's like, Oh, um, Warner's doesn't like your movie. Paramount doesn't like your movie. Disney doesn't like your movie. The Weinstein's company did like your movie, but he just went to jail. Like, uh, like all this stuff starts yeah. falling through. So we were operating for a small window uh, where, you know, the independents could really get in there and flood. Now, yeah. now you have to fucking make people happy. The only way you can do it really is producing physical media, <laughs> going to a con yeah, and hawking your shit. That's <laughs> and true. That's the weird realm that we're operating in where the past is now saving the distribution channels that no longer were available because the ones that aren't getting used anymore by the big conglomerates like Disney, like producing 4K masters and this and that, they're not going to come out with Hocus Pocus on disc, but those companies still need money to operate. So when the independent guy comes in and goes, yo, I want a 4K copy of this, they're like, all right, come on in. We got time. We got uh, all the stuff. Make your disc. Thankfully, there is a hipster portion of the the um, um, audience, I guess you could say, that's yeah. very much like, no, I need a physical copy. I oh, want... yeah. No, there are a ton of people. There are actually like way more than you would think, I uh, I would say, 
they're really into physical copies for yes and i mean i definitely see the point of it i'm kind of uh i'm very minimalist in my approach to things so it's hard for me to to rationalize like using that space up Mm. but i definitely get it for people who who want to never have that access threatened which i think is extremely um valid right because we're learning very quickly it it ain't permanent if you think if it's on the internet it ain't permanent like somebody's gonna try and put it behind put it in the vault or put it behind a paywall or do whatever it is that they think they can get away with absolutely and they'll also change shit yeah you look you look now (laughs) like everybody talks about cancel culture and i'm not entirely sure what the fuck we're talking about every time someone does but you look at something like um what happened with George Floyd, right? There was a police officer murdered the guy, right? He choked him until he couldn't yep. breathe no more. And that was the end of it. Right. Immediately after that, there are protests, right? All kinds of, you know, political movements, social movements, the whole nine yards. Everybody starts getting touchy about anything slightly racist, slightly racist. They removed an entire episode of community where Ken Jong for I shit you not, maybe three minutes has black paint on him while they're playing Dungeons and Dragons because he's a dark elf. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know. I don't know much about Dungeons and Dragons enough to know whether or not that kind of character exists in the in the actual storytelling. If it was based on blackface storytelling, if it you know what I mean? Like, I have no idea if it if it does, then I'm wrong. But they immediately said, well, he's in blackface. We have to pull that entire episode. And it wasn't on Netflix anymore. It was gone. Not access to it at all. Me thinking that was literally one of the greatest episodes of Community ever. Ever. Not because Ken Jong is in blackface for three minutes, but because of the mental health thing that they were uh, addressing in that situation. They were addressing bullying in a college setting. They were addressing depression and suicide and how to handle that. And yeah. how a bully is actually suffering from a depression. Like, there were so many mental health themes running beautifully through that episode. And they were trash canned because someone didn't understand a stupid joke that was going on. So then all of a sudden it's removed from Netflix. And it's like, well, shit. What if they just decided to ruin or like never show that episode ever again? And to me, that episode was damn important as somebody who you know has had like depression issues and stuff in the past. Yeah. I want that episode to live on. So I bought yeah. physical media that next weekend of community on Blu-ray. And I don't I think it's still in the shrink wrap in my um <laughs> in my thing because uh I have community on uh on Voodoo. I purchased it digitally. But I've read in on like Reddit forums in the past where they've gone They've pulled movies from people's purchased library. Like they paid $19.99 to own the digital copy of the movie and it got pulled from the library. And when they had like approached like the server, the the company, they were like, well, I bought this movie. Why isn't it showing up in my library? And it's like, oh, you didn't buy that movie. You bought a license to watch right. that movie for as long as we host it. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding. Like, that's ridiculous. It's that a, you can that's a, do that. It's such a big change from how we viewed purchasing stuff in the past yeah right? like the like, ownership idea that we had of physical media the same, like, oh, I own this now. anymore like, yeah so uh what you that's, gonna say, well i was just gonna say that's why i think you know thank you cancel culture for for saving physical media which saves the distribution angle which saves options for future storytellers which saves the possibility of quote-unquote success that people can find which allows people to not feel like they are unworthy to backtrack us to the the main point of this episode is that you know that jealousy can go away because you still have that avenue for success that's still avenue for distribution that avenue to to let people find you that are looking for you and i think that's important for artists especially when we talk about how I don't want to say how needy we are, but you know, how, how much we desire that, of that validation, that, you know, that success or that, um, participation, I guess, from an audience. And so that, that's important to me. I don't know how I got on that long ass tangent, but feel free to reflect your thoughts. I mean, your tangents, 
uh, very worthwhile to hit on because that is a big part of it, right? Uh, and we are going through this transition period right now where so much of internet media is being um, funneled, right? Into these, like you already said, but being funneled into these bigger um, corporations. And so it is getting harder. I'm, I'm noticing it's getting harder for people to get recognized or acknowledged on the internet versus when we were younger, where it just seemed like things went viral randomly because it was more organic and it's become less organic. Now it's a tool. Yeah, it really is. And I, like I said, like, I am interested. So that is one route, right? Just figuring out your a new venue of distribution so that you can deal, right, with uh, uh, the realities that you're facing or whatever it is that you're facing in terms of inadequacy as an artist. Um, I also think, though, there is a certain amount of just uh, learning to appreciate other people's victories and successes, too. Sure. You know? And also... Like I was saying earlier, you know, thinking about how you compare, right? Because it's like, you probably don't actively compare yourself to Martin Scorsese, I would imagine. Like, that's not like a... No, I... Like, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to, like, kick Alan Moore's crown off of his head. Like, that's no. not something that I think I'm going to get away with in my lifetime. But having a certain um, sense of relativity right and how you perceive those things mm. and then especially when it's peers like learning to celebrate their victories because in time they can be they can they can coincide with your victories and also like having peers in in the arts is really i mean i don't know how else you do it i mean i say all this because right now like i've been in a quiet period of like having fellowship with other artists other than like you and Joker and, um, and Joe Bevel, like, you know, I'm, I'm not talking actively with too many other, Austin is another one, but I'm not talking too actively with that many people right now. I'm just, it's like been, it's been hermitage for me. And that could be a little bit rough for some people. For me, if I'm creating, like, I just want to be left alone anyway. Like I'm same. just like, I'm yeah, 100% the same way. I need to go into the cave and I'll come back later to like, you know, share the gospel of everybody when it's completed <laughs> until then, you know, let me uh, figure this shit out. Just, yeah, you got to exactly. cut the noise out. Absolutely. But um, I definitely recall, you know, at an earlier stage in life where, um, it seemed like there was, and then once again, I don't know, this is also how things have changed maybe culturally or how, a fucking pandemic affects everything, but um, it seemed like in the past it was easier for people to sort of meet each other and create new bonds. And it seems like as time has gone on, and this could just be me, right? I mean, totally, this could just be me and what I'm going through personally right now. But it seems as though people are, are struggling more to make connections with each other as artists. And that can also fuel a lot of that, a lot of that like crappy comparison making, right? Where it's like you get into the competitive mindset instead of like the uh, collaborative mindset, for lack of a better terminology to define that. All right, I got a question, and I think I know what your answer is going to be, which is why I am writing it down on this pad. <laughs> and I'm gonna see if I'm right when I when I hold it up. <laughs> Hopefully I am. And this is because you've been talking about uh inadequacy and and I I kind of coined it as jealousy or possibly or envy or however you may want to. As an artist with a hundred thousand some odd subscribers and a decade plus of experience professionally working in the arts, in comics, in design, all that kind of stuff. Right now, at this very moment in this podcast, do you feel like you know what you're doing? 
when you say do I feel like I know what I'm doing, like you mean just in life in general or like as within an within this career path as as an artist? Oh, uh no, not at all. I <laughs> I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. I was going to go with uh, this is what this was my answer. I don't know if you can see it. Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, I would say yes if you meant okay, yes in the sense that I understand what I'm doing on the level of creating. Mm-hmm. Everything else, no. no Correct, okay. which is exactly what I was getting at because I'm the same way. I have no idea what I'm doing half the time, and I do know what I'm doing the other half of the time. Yeah. And it's that weird dichotomy. It's a wrestling match going on in my brain, or I, I wouldn't even say my brain, maybe my soul, as, or uh, between my brain and my soul as to am I doing the right thing? Am I doing this the right way? Yes, I am doing this right. This is what I want to do. Like, and it's this this match that's going on. So, like you said, you you said before you didn't know. You assumed that they did or did or didn't. Um, if they other artists who have like million plus subscribers or whatever, yeah. Um, if they felt confident or if they knew what they were doing, and I'm gonna tell you this right now. I don't even have to know who they are. I don't have to see their work. I don't have to do anything they're going through the same shit that the, the both of us are. You know sure. what I mean? They're working. Yeah. Like I always say, they're working through their shit. And I, I think that's the thing that all artists struggle with is, you know, Oh, that hit. Why isn't mine hitting? And I think a yeah. lot of times we equate our work too personally with us. It's like, Oh, it's gotta be something I'm doing or something I'm doing wrong or blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. When as, the guy who has a million followers, I'm not saying this is true, but I'm saying like the guy who got distribution for his movie, his uncle works for Warner Brothers right. and this and that, you know what I mean? And he right. didn't take it at Warner Brothers, but he knew a guy at a smaller thing and he made a phone call for him, but we didn't know that. And it's not that that thing is better. It's just that that guy had a connection that you didn't know about. And now you're seeing the results of that connection without knowing that connection exists and assuming that that work is better than yours because it has that wider distribution, because it found its audience, or the audience found it, and you're starting to question, well, does anybody give a shit about mine? Whereas the truth of the factor is, one person saw Trailer Park Warlock, and then they subscribed, and either somebody else came across and said, oh, this looks kind of good, and they saw a subscriber and said, oh, I'll check it out, or... That person told another person that they're friends with on Reddit that, you know, do like a webtoon Reddit forum or whatever right. and say, check this out. This is probably pretty cool. This will be right up your alley or blah, blah, blah. But you don't know that that distribution oh, yeah, channel never, works. You never you don't see know, the process. Right. You, <laughs> you're not searching Reddit every day if you're working hard on the art um, to, to see if anybody's talking about you. So that could very well have existed. But the point of the matter is this. There's 100,000 people that that's more... That's double the population of my city that read your work (laughs) on a a weekly basis. Sure, sure. And like I, for me, for me, when I had digits, you saw it. We sold out that theater on opening night, so much so that the theater owner was like, can we bring in a couple extra folding chairs? My son and his friends heard about your movie and they want to come see it. I have no idea who her, her kid was. I don't know who they knew that I knew that knew that knew that knew that told them about that, that showed them a trailer or some shit like that. I have no idea how those people found out about my movie. I have no idea about the people that walked up to me in the mall like six months after it was like, are you the digits guy? No clue how that shit happens. But to me, that was successful watching. I was like, we sold out the theater in less than in, in 24 hours. And then we had to bring more chairs in after the fact because there was such a big demand. That to me was fucking crazy. I thought it was going to be my mom, me, maybe half of the cast and like their brother or somebody like that. And we would have a whole theater full of empty seats. And it wasn't that we had to, we had overfill and that to me was successful for that night. And you know, I had to accept it. I live, I was on the moon that night. Um, I just couldn't believe that we had found so many people that gave a shit about the movie that weren't directly related to people who were in or made the movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah. crazy to me. So the fact that you have 100,000 subscribers, the fact that that guy has a million, this person has 12, who cares? Those 12 people give a shit. And that's the crazy thing about it is that these people who probably don't know you, 
right? They don't know anything about you. They can give a shit about you that you're a white guy or, you know, some some people do, some people don't. Whatever it may be. They just like your shit. And yeah. to me, that's successful. And to me, one person having read it and bookmarked it, right, as something that they read on their webtoon, yeah. they might go ahead and have a kid. And I was thinking about this this week. Um, we had a dog that got put down and it had me, you know, thinking about life and death and this and that and all that kind of stuff. And I made a tweet about the dog and the tweet kind of blew up. It got like maybe a hundred likes, which is more than usual. Um, and I was thinking about it and I'm like, well, one day my kid is going to read through my Twitter feed and he's going to look at all the shit that I post and he's going to get an idea of his dad. And for all, you know, you might die after trailer park warlock is done. Right. And some guy or some girl who was subscribed, right? Maybe they had a kid and the kid starts getting into wizards and well, I'm just saying God help them. <laughs> I'm just saying, but they have like this like weird sense of offbeat humor maybe. And like, you know what I mean? And they, they like it. And it's one of the things that they like and they start drawing from it and they start drawing fan art of it. And then they go to college and someone sees a thing on the wall of the fan art, and they're like, "That's a really cool design." What is that? And you're like, "Oh, that's Matt Rainwater's Trailer Park Warlock." You haven't you haven't read that? No, I'm really into Dungeons and Dragons, and though is it like that? It's like, "Oh no, dude, it's like this." They start pitching it, and then all of a sudden, it goes on. Somebody goes on webtoon, and they're like, "Holy shit, this is great!" And they tell somebody else at their D and D party the next week, and then they find it, and then all of a sudden, somebody goes on Reddit and goes, "You guys didn't need to read this fucking thing. You're dead at this point." But all of a sudden, Trailer Park Warlock that has been out of circulation of new episodes for six years, whatever it may be, suddenly has like 18.7 million subscribers and it's a big fucking deal. And all of a sudden, the corporate people come knocking. Well, who has the rights to this? Well, it's Rainwater's (laughs) estate. You know what? You never know what's going to fucking happen. And that's why I always tell this. I think we talked about this when we did our, our Just Get Started podcast. It was like a New Year's podcast that you just got to keep your head down and go like, it's okay to look up every now and then and see what other people are doing and going, Oh, I can use that. I can do that in my way. And this will help me do what I was trying to do. And I didn't know how to do, but the idea of comparing it, it's so fruitless. Like it's a waste of fucking time. I mean, it ultimately really is. I, unless you're, unless you're enjoying other people's work just to enjoy it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, which is fruitful and on yeah. its own right always, but like if you're ever doing it to just make the to get into the competitive sort of comparison, it really does become like a paralysis at a certain point because then you're just thinking about like, oh, what am I doing wrong? You know, which and, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, and failures get forgotten. Yeah. If you look at like rivalries that took place in the past, like Stallone and Schwarzenegger when they're roles, right? Yeah. Stallone took a, a, a role in a movie called Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Mm, only because right. only because Schwarzenegger was in talks to do it. And when you find out later that Schwarzenegger, <laughs> Schwarzenegger only did it because he thought it was a shit script and he was in talks because he wanted Stallone to take the role because he thought it would be a blow to Stallone. <laughs> and you know what I mean? But then Stallone or uh, Schwarzenegger did Kindergarten Cop and that kind of worked out. And it, yeah. you know what I mean? But nobody remembers Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. That's not the one that people still talk about to this day. It's Kindergarten Cop. So it's like, eh, if you fuck up and fail, well, let it go. Like nobody's going to remember anyway. Yeah. Like, and, and if if they do remember, it's probably because on some level you succeeded. Troll 2. That movie should be forgotten to the, be. the annals and, of time, but it's not. No, instead it's like the Terminator 2 of bad movies. Everybody talks about it because right. it's just it's infamous. Is that success though? Uh within the context of Troll 2, yes. I mean, you look at that director, that guy is a fucking putz, but you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, in some respects, has Troll 2 made I don't know, I'd have to look this up. Has Troll 2 made more money than Leprechaun? Uh, yeah, I have no clue. Long uh, term, I would be willing to bet they're neck and neck at the very least. Sure, sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it may be not out, out right, right out the gate, but neck and neck long term because, yeah. yeah, the Leprechaun movie has ridiculous installments as it goes on where he goes to the hood and then he goes back <laughs> to the hood. Then he goes to space and then he gets rebooted. <laughs> hey, da, da, da. But the same Troll 2 movie, right? That movie gets watched and discovered by new people every single year. And while the same can be said about the original Leprechaun, right? 
I would say far less people watch the original Leprechaun for the first time every year than they do the new Troll or, or the Troll 2 movie. More people watch Troll 2 for the first time every year than they do the original Leprechaun. That's, and you know what I mean? Like that to yeah. me is a way to measure success. So it's like, it's very interesting to see how people gauge it. And I guess, you know, for the sake of mental health, you really have to pivot what a financial person says is, you know, successful because I look at digits and I'm like, that movie was successful. We made back our money. I didn't lose money on that movie. You know, there was a guy that liked it and it, you know, distracted him from two hours of his wife leaving him. Great. We sold out a theater and my dad got to see an entire movie theater giving me a standing ovation. Great. Like, you know what I mean? Like all of those things to me were successful. So the idea that I'm not, you know, I, I didn't pay off my SCAD loan with digits. I would have liked that. But right. the fact that I didn't, I'm not calling digits a failure. That like that's that's the kind of way that I try to look at it. So it's really about being an artist with your perspective. I guess that's the way to, to that would be my recommendation to anyone who's struggling with this, where you're looking at peers, friends, not so much enemies, but uh, rivals or wh- whoever it may be. Yeah. If you're looking at somebody and you're, feeling jealous or envious or you feel bad about your own work. Um, my recommendation to you is to get creative with your perspective because you, you yourself are a work of art that you can determine, you know, people do this every day. How do you shape, how do you shape your hair? How do you color your hair? How do you, uh, you know, decide what shirt and what pants or what dress or whatever it is that you may wear every day. You're making creative artistic decisions to shape yourself. When people talk, they decide whether or not they want to swear. They decide whether or not they want to be quiet. They want to decide if they want to be loud. They, you know what I mean? Like yeah. these things are artistic decisions when you're creating yourself. So why can't you reshape your idea of what success is? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, why yeah. can't you, why do you have to take that predetermined definition of this is success? You made a lot of money. A lot of people saw your work. Well, that's good for you. You waste time with that. I'm going to work on me. I'm going to find a way to paint my definition of success where I can live with it. I can sleep at night. And yeah, maybe that paint that definition isn't perfect. Maybe it's unfinished. So that'll keep me striving. Yeah. But it won't kill me. You know what I'm saying? Like Oh yeah. And Absolutely. that's my recommendation to many artists out there struggling with that is you don't have to follow anyone else's definition of success. Rewrite it for yourself. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I definitely mirror what you're saying. And um, I mean, really, the only thing I can think of adding to that is that you really are, uh, everybody goes on their own individual journey, sure. pretty much. Not just as an artist, just like as a human being. Right? Absolutely. And you're going to have fuck ups. And I think at a certain point, you have to sort of learn to appreciate the fuck-ups too, right? Because those are the things that really... I almost think that the fuck-ups define people more than the successes. Because success... As we talked about with Tim Burton, (laughs) it creates a comfort that you you tend to coast on. Yeah, exactly. Like, and also success really is oftentimes out of your hands. How you fail is more in your hands. Yep. In other words, like you can't necessarily prevent failure from happening, but you can shape how you come back from that failure. You can shape, how you see the failure happening and then, you know, pull your resources as quick as you can to mitigate and minimize the damage. Yep. Um, but success, you know, it's, it's fickle and you're not going to be able to control it ever. So I think that that is another aspect of it. Cause like before trailer park or like, like everything else I'd done, you know, like not everything else, I guess there's plant for plants versus zombies felt like a whole other different kind of thing because I was a part of a bigger machine. So like it's success never really felt like I had that much to do with it, even though I did have some to do with it. It felt like I was, I was lodged onto a much bigger beast. Whereas mm. Raja and bat monster, and that was entirely me and Austin. So like it, those, those, the way that those 
works panned out all felt like, okay, that was our responsibility. And what you learn from that, what I learned from that ultimately is how to engage with the work regardless and not be demoralized, you know, just because it isn't doing how I want it to do. Mm. And that's really, I mean, for any artist, that's the biggest, most important thing. Don't get demoralized just because it isn't going your way. Like you either need to change gears and start over or find a new venue or whatever, or, or finish what you're doing and then start over. Right. But the point is, is like, don't give up unless you, unless like, it's just something that you're not attuned to doing anymore. But well, here's another thing that I think we need to definitely point out. And I do feel like we're still wrapping up, but I think this is something that I think you will echo. Success is not permanent, nor is failure. Right. Neither one is an absolute that will stick with you forever. So like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say again, I'm trying to be respectful, but bat monster, you could call a failure, right? Cause it didn't, it did it didn't take off the way that you maybe had hoped? No, I mean it's definitely a failure in the sense of like it doesn't it did not get the outreach that either me or Austin wanted. Currently, right? Yeah, currently. In, or, or at the or well, at the very least, in comparison to right. uh, Trailer Park Warlock, right. it's not in, nearly in the same league. Right, but, or or it succeeds too well in the future and starts some rabid cult that like right. we can't <laughs> you can't stop and it's your yeah. fault. Uh, <laughs> But no, you look at a lot of artists and you hear like people talking about comebacks. Like, so yeah. take, for example, Dave Chappelle, right? He was on top of the fucking world with Chappelle's show. And then they said he had a mental breakdown and he went to Africa and he turned down all this money. We didn't hear from Dave Chappelle for like a decade. And then he came back with a bunch of stand up things and he shot back to the top again. Now, whether or not he's tumbling back down right now is a perspective of, of you and your uh, your reflections on. Uh, comedy and free speech and all that kind of stuff. But there is no denying for a while he was in a realm of failure, right? Because he turned away a bunch of money. He didn't have a show. He wasn't performing. He wasn't anywhere. And then all of a sudden he came back and boom, he's back at the top again, uh, at least for a short while. Um, And so you really have to kind of realize that no matter how good you are, you're always one step away from falling back down the mountain and you're, you're, just as easily one arm reach away from climbing back up to the top. And that's, that's the real thing is like, you really have to kind of go through the motions of, all right, maybe I'm not fail. I'm not a failure right now. Maybe I'm just climbing or maybe I have failed, but tomorrow's a new day. You know what I mean? And then the same, the same realm when you're at the top, you got to be looking at it like, kind of wobbly up here. <laughs> I don't know what's about to happen. Maybe I should hold on with two hands or maybe I should just jump off. Like, you know what I mean? Like walk yeah. away from it for a minute. And like Alan Moore is a fucking genius, but did he, or did he not kind of walk away from comic oh, book telling? He like actively, he did something that I've never really seen too many artists do. He actively intentionally walked away and said, I'm done. Like I'm just I'm through, you know? Yeah. And that that to some people will be like, oh, well, Adam, uh, Alan Moore's a failure. He ran out of shit. Like, people will say the most fucked up shit to justify some bullshit point of view yeah. that they're peddling to try to keep themselves wherever they are to make more money or whatever it may be. But that's not true. Like, Alan Moore, I'm sure, is happy as a pig in shit unless when they bastardize one of his works. And an oh, adaptation. I mean, he, well, he had, he had come to terms with that a long time ago. No, I mean, now he... he it seems like he's really happy because now he's like doing movies. He's a hype beast for like, for like local rappers in England. So <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm like, fuck dude. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. But I, 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 it all comes back to the idea that the idea of success or comparing yourself to peers or whatever, or yourself, your expectations, it's, trivial it's a distraction yeah. it's it's overall at the end of the day it's kind of pointless i mean it's nice to put yourself in perspective it can be a motivating factor or it can be a demotivating factor it's all in how you decide to handle it so i think yeah I, yeah i think i think we're running down on this topic as we come up on the hour but uh that's my take on it and you know i it's really to me to me i'm just gonna say this one more time because i think it feels like it needs to be said one more time 
You define success for yourself. I don't care what Webster's Dictionary says. I don't care what the gatekeepers of Hollywood or, or the comic book world or even the fucking assholes on Reddit. If this guy has a thousand subscribers and you have one, you know what I mean? That doesn't make them more important than you. It just means that maybe somebody hasn't found what you meant to say yet or whatever. So define your own success. Be an artist about literally everything, including how you feel about your work, about where you are in, in your your journey as an artist, all that kind of stuff. You yeah. you define it all. It, that's the end of it. Yeah, 100%. Anything else? No, I think you I think that was the cherry on top, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.